This week, Digiday is hosting a live podcast session where Brian Morrissey will have a conversation with Vox CMO, Lindsay Nelson. It's an exclusive event for our Digiday Plus members at the Vox office here in New York City. If you're a member, please join us. And if you haven't yet subscribed, there's still time. To find out more about this event and our many other special offerings with Digiday Plus, visit digiday.com and you'll find the Digiday Plus tab on top. It's only $3.95 and for you, our podcast listeners, we have a special discount. Enter the code PODCAST to get a 10% discount on your subscription. Please sign up at digiday.com. This is Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer Aditi Sangal, and this week we're bringing you sessions from our Digiday Programmatic Media Summit. When programmatic advertising swept the publishing industry by storm, teams reorganized themselves and brought a shift in their understanding of the business. And these winds of change also touched Business Insider. Jana Marin, VP of Programmatic and Data Strategy at the company, led this change and shared some important takeaways that should inform changes that any company might be taking around programmatic advertising. Today I'm going to talk to you about how we are able to uh, infuse programmatic throughout our organization and how we have done that over the last several years. Uh, we call it bring it on because it was a bit of a challenge and it wasn't really a lot of magic. <laughs> it was a lot of really hard work and a lot of time and effort. And when we first started, we, we said to ourselves, well, what, how are we going to get everybody else to buy into this? Our sellers are really nervous. Machines are coming. They're on their way. None of us are going to have jobs anymore. And then, you know, the editors were really afraid of the type of ads that they would see. And generally, there was just a lot of fear that all of this programmatic magic was uh, going to ruin everything. So the first thing that we thought about was, how are we going to align our incentives? Let's make sure that every single person is on board and on the bus. And the best way to do that is to make sure you're doing it with their wallet. <laughs> right? It's very simple. So um, what we did was we're, we went through the whole organization and we said, okay, everybody needs to be ready for this change to happen. We're going to pay everyone. We're going to pay editors for driving page views that drive incremental revenue. We're going to teach our sales force and make sure they're not afraid. Right? And what would they be afraid of? Well, when I first started at Business Insider, they were super nervous because I would walk in and say, no, no, we're not blocking that advertiser. When you block an advertiser, then you're missing your opportunity to sell. Right? Uh, I used to say that, or I do, the open exchange is a little bit like giving crack to a crack addict. Right? Oh, I need some more. Right? And the same thing works with the salespeople. They get paid on a PMP, and all of a sudden, they're really psyched about more PMPs. And so this is how we, we started it, right? We thought about how can we align everybody so that they want to participate and can get on board with the change. Then we started to say, okay, well, here's the thing. Programmatic, at least 
four years ago was pretty complicated. Well, at least to those of us who'd been selling traditional media or just, you know, regular manners. Um, and so then it was about education, right? How could we empower them through education so that they were able to talk to their customers and feel comfortable that they were selling the right things to the right people? And for those of you who have ever trained a sales force, um, you know, there's a lot of resistance there uh, or for everybody. Nobody likes change. And so now they're being paid, right? They're getting paid, so they have an incentive to learn. And one thing that we realized was that it wasn't just our train. We also wanted to go out and train our customers. And this was eye-opening for us. I spend a lot of time at agencies, clients, trading desks, talking to people and saying, what don't you know? What are you supposed to know that you're afraid to ask because your boss is in the room and you're supposed to know that question, the answer to that question? And what we found was that it was able to create a dialogue, both internally and externally. What exactly does that mean? It means that we really thought about transparency from the very beginning. When we had to bring all of this new technology in-house, and get everybody on board and stop being afraid of change, we really, at that point, had to make sure that we were willing to be transparent. How does it work? When does it work? What happens with direct? How can you combine direct and programmatic all together so that we're one organization? And programmatic is just then a product. It's a tool in the seller's toolbox which is a lot different than going out and saying, oh, no, no, you, seller, you can't talk about that thing, that programmatic thing. Um, I was, uh, when programmatic first came around, and I said, you know, I really think we should try this programmatic thing. And the, my boss at the time said, oh, yeah, that's fine, just don't tell anybody else. Uh, okay, well, you know, pretty big organization, we've got like 100 million uniques, going to need some other people. Oh, no, no, you're not allowed to do that because they were afraid of that sort of change. And so then we started to realize as we talked to people, everybody was afraid of the big, bad programmatic change. And so we educated internally and externally. And that wasn't just educating our salespeople educating our operations people, educating the newsroom. What does it mean that, you know, I want you to write more articles, you know, that would appeal to a financial analyst? Well, a financial an analyst is super valuable programmatically. Uh, what does that mean, Jana? Okay, so, right, so everybody's getting trained at this point. And, of course, there are some people who are resisting, and there's always going to be people who resist change. But over time, slowly but surely, we were able to um, take off the training wheels, if you will, and say, okay, we're not training you anymore. You know enough. And in order to make sure that, we, that they had all the, gave them a questionnaire, our salespeople, and said, if you want to set up a deal and you want to get paid on that deal, you need to be able to fill out this form. Don't ask us anything 
until you fill out that form. That was really key for us because in order to bring programmatic throughout the entire organization, everybody needed to be responsible. Everybody needed to have something that they could hold on to. And so now they have this questionnaire. They, they know enough to be dangerous, but not enough to um, you know, make the pipes break. <laughs> and it's been going particularly well. And as far as training our customers, now it's about knowledge sharing, right? Uh, oftentimes we'll go into agencies, training desk clients, and we'll say, here's your opportunity. We'll tell you anything you want to know. And in return, we're also going to ask that you tell us the things that we don't know. And this was something entirely new. Most programmatic buyers, at least three years ago, four years ago, when I started, didn't want to have a conversation. It was three minutes in an email, maybe on the phone if we were lucky, and that was it because programmatic was about, you just turn it on and it works, right? Back to the magic. But as we all know, Blee works that way. And the idea of set it and forget it is not a thing, truly. Uh, particularly if you're talking about um, a premium business with PMPs and programmatic guaranteed and audience guaranteed and whatever else we're going to come up with next. And so this was a shift, a mindset shift for our advertisers, for our sellers, for our ops team, for our newsroom. And it was a mindset shift because now all of a sudden we weren't afraid to share, right? I have no secrets in the programmatic world. You want to know how it's set up? I'll tell you how it's set up. We have no secrets as far as what our, what our clearing rates are. And over time, what we found is that because we were willing to share information, our buyers were willing to share information back with us, which made us smarter, which made them smarter, and around and around we go. And then, so here it is. We've got a couple years in. We've got a pretty decent-sized business. And then we start to realize that it doesn't exactly, some of the things that we assumed weren't necessarily the right things. And so now we're talking about optimization. Optimization of processes, information sharing, optimization of the sales team. So years ago, we started out and said, we don't need programmatic sellers. Our direct sellers can sell everything. And they're going, their incentives are aligned so that they are going to sell everything. However, oftentimes, somebody who is selling multi-million dollar deals to big clients, content sponsorships, editorial sponsorships, it's a little bit of a different skill set. And so what we learned was that, you know what? Our sellers need to be able to talk about it. And they need to be able to say, of course we can do that for you. However, they weren't necessarily, we didn't really want them worrying about a $1,000 PMP or a $5,000 PMP or even a $10,000 PMP. We want them worried about million-dollar campaigns. And so from an optimization standpoint, we optimized and we created programmatic sellers and account managers and people whose sole job was to be experts in the field. That was uh, a shift for us and, and something that everybody said, well, if we do that, 
then we're going against our whole programmatic as a product that we sell. Not really, it's still a product, but it's a product that requires some expertise. Those are the types of things optimize over the years. And it has been um, super successful. So we've got our direct sellers, they can talk about it, they know how to fill out the questionnaire, and then we've got our programmatic sellers, and they know how to do everything soup to nuts, and we're finding that because we have built these relationships with our buyers, where we're sharing information constantly, that um, they really are the go-to for our buyers, right? So they're not wondering, you know, there's always that worry, but I have this person who I talk to about content, and I have this person who I have talked to about programmatic. It's too many people. Everybody's always worried that you're, you know, nobody's going to be sure who to talk to when they want to buy something. Obviously, you never want to do that, right? So now what we're finding is that that idea, that idea of channel conflict of salespeople isn't really a thing. Our buyers know exactly who to call for whatever it is that they need, and oftentimes they're doing it together, right? With a direct seller, a programmatic seller, they're talking together to the client. We can bring it all together full circuit. Full circle. We can connect the programmatic to the direct, the direct to the programmatic, and everybody knows enough to make sure that those things happen. We also started talking to what kind of categories were going to perform best for all of our buyers. And now we're having a real dialogue about how we can create content that will, all, that will be interesting and a good user experience but will also generate quality revenue for our vast number of PMP advertisers. And so those are some of the shifts that we've made over the last several years so that we're able to fuse programmatic into the entire organization. Nobody's afraid of it. There are no blocks. There is nothing to worry about. Machines are not taking over. And so, you know, these are the things that we all should be thinking about when we're building a programmatic business inside of a publisher. Aligning our incentives, educate internally and externally, and then getting better every day. It is important that all of us learn more every single day and that we enjoy that learning, right? Getting better every day doesn't just mean make more money every day. It means really understanding what's changing, how those changes are happening, and what we can do to facilitate those changes internally with our technology and externally with our, with our customers. So with that, I have or any questions you would like to ask. I hope you're enjoying the session. I just want to take a quick break to give you a heads up about the approaching deadline for the Digiday Publishing Awards. The awards recognize the best global digital publishing innovation by publishers, brands, agencies, and tech platforms. You have until December 15 to submit the best of your work in a bunch of fantastic categories. Be sure to register. For more information, visit digiday.com events. Hello. What are the basics of the questionnaire? Ah, the questionnaire. It is, it's super simple, right? It's, um, who's the DSP? Do you have a preferred SSP? What are the KPIs? What are the ad sizes? The floor rates, is it fixed or 
fixed price or um, variable, thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, KPIs of the campaign, contacts. Am I missing anything, you guys? <laughs> Oh, what kind of data are you layering on? I mean, that was a huge optimization, right? <laughs> Understanding that if you layer on data and I layer on data, it cancels each other out. I mean, the tech's supposed to work better than that, right? <laughs> oh, God. How do you deal with that if, if deals don't flow? So, um, Cookie matching from deals not flowing. Um, those are two different things, right? We could do a cookie match. There's a bunch of different ways to do it and estimate how many impressions there are available for a campaign. But when deals don't flow, because we separated everything out and we have dedicated account managers and sellers for programmatic, they know they have a checklist to run through, right? Is there a, a, a mysterious block? Is there, are they running creative that we don't accept? Is it V paid, not vast? Is it, um, does it have, are both sides layering on data? All of the, there's a checklist, right? And so that goes back to a lot of those optimizations uh, that we learned along the way. So I had a question from uh, your presentation here. You said how it wasn't just about training salespeople. You also had to train clients and that was eye-opening. Uh, why, why did that surprise you like, it was so much, the, the, the whole, like, we have to uh, you know, bring clients up to speed thing? It's, it's not so much about bringing clients up to speed as it is about making sure that everybody understands what happens on both sides of the pipe, right? If, mm -hmm. you know, if the, the DSP's on one side, the exchange's in the middle, the SSP's on the other side, you have to make sure that the pipe fits together perfectly. And so, we found that the pipes were able to fit together more perfectly, more often, if everybody knew what was happening on both sides. Was there anything in particular that like, know more about than the other, and it was like really eye-opening, like how much that other side didn't have visibility into this thing? Well, yeah, there's tons of data that we have in our SSPs that buyers don't have, and vice versa. And so when we realized that we were able to share information about what we were seeing, what audience segments were actually performing against a buy, or when, um, you know, even that fact about uh, the data canceling each other out. Or my favorite was when uh, somebody was buying a preferred deal in Rubicon and thought it was the same as a preferred deal in Adex, and they're not the same. And that, that was a complete aha moment for the buyer. So there are lots of nuances, and that's why it's so important we're all sharing information. Oh, and did you learn something from the buyers having those conversations? Well, we learned the uh, data thing yeah, from yeah. them. Okay. Um, and, I mean, we learn from them all the time. Yeah. So, uh, yes. Can't think off the top of my head. Okay. I'm putting you exactly. on the spot a little bit here. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, anyone else have a question? Uh, have there been any like conflicts between your programmatic sales team and your direct sales team? No, or has because it been smooth sailing? everybody's getting paid. I've got, a, I've got a good segue right off that. So, do you compensate them the same? So, in other words, programmatic direct and, and uh, or excuse me, direct sellers 
and programmatic sellers, are they compensated the same uh, for a programmatic deal? That makes sense? Yeah, okay. yes. So uh, basically, the sellers have a number that they have to hit in a quarter. Uh, we have a number that we have to hit in a quarter. And it, you know, the sellers only get paid on PMP deals. And every PMP deal that generates more than, uh, now it's going to be $10,000, they get credit for. So by, by sellers, you mean the- Everybody. Everybody. We could be like quadruple paying, to be quite honest, right? Mm -hmm. If there's a customer, so we have one example. The customer is on the West Coast. The agency is on the East Coast. There are, there's a split between the direct sellers because of the clients on the West Coast and the agencies on the East Coast, and a programmatic seller gets paid. And do you pay the same commission on all, on- PMPs well, versus programmatic guaranteed, it's all the same? Yep. All the same, okay, thanks. I believe there's a question in the back. Uh, do you put limitations on uh, the clients that programmatic sellers can go after to preserve managed service revenue? Nope. Nope, okay. Do you have situations where you lose a lot more efficiently? So I think that that is a misnomer in programmatic, and that is that more efficient means cheap. And it doesn't. More efficient means that you're just using pipes. You don't have to send IOs. You don't have to fax things. And it, I mean, God, right? And, and so the idea of more efficient, it, no. I mean, we have a premium audience, premium content. My, you know, my non-guaranteed rates are still significantly higher uh, than most. In terms of revenue between uh, PMPs and uh, Open Exchange, what kind of split do you have right now in terms of ratio of revenue which you get? So uh, I left out that slide because it had words on it, and I was trying to do with no words except for this one. Um, and so 50% of advertising revenue is programmatic, and of that 50%, Another 40% is, PM, is PMPs, programmatic guaranteed. And so ultimately, it's probably about 20 to 30% of total ad revenue is by some sort of premium programmatic. Do you think it's going to increase after the other? I hope so. Man, I'm not fighting for that thing for nothing. Okay. Hi, can you talk a little bit about uh, your process and strategy for SSP selection for running PMPs? To what extent can you be the arbiter of that decision with a buyer? And do you have, are you trying to streamline one or two SSPs that are your preferred vendors? Or is it evolving to the opposite, which is the buyers, sophisticated buyers know who they want to use and your goal is to support as many platforms as possible so for PMPs? For PMPs, it's about uh, the tool set that the SSPs can provide us. So the better tools, the more tools, the more insights that we can gain from an SSP system, the more likely we are to use them. Uh, we very rarely have mandates from buyers as to which SSPs to buy from. Occasionally there are. Um, and so then we're able to dictate and we, you know, test and iterate. Again, back to the optimization idea. We had one exchange. They, we, they were our primary SSP. We had thousands of deals that ran through them. 
everything was great, then header bidding came around and it got a little messy and it was like, okay, we can't just use that one anymore because the deals aren't performing as well anymore because of the header and cookie matching and all of those other things. So um, no, I, when choosing an SSP, it's about tools, it's about uh, unique insights that we can gain using their, their tools and then do they have unique demand or some unique offering that will be beneficial to our business in order to grow yield? All right, I believe that's all the time we have questions for. Thank you, Jana. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another session. In the meantime, don't forget to check out Digiday Plus. For all the information you might need, just visit digiday.com. See you soon.